episode 10. Whoa. You're listening to Yeah No, the podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. Hi, I'm Mia. And this is Tina. You seem sick. Thanks. You're sick. (laughs) I'm a little stuffed up and I had problems sleeping last night and I don't really feel that great, but I'm not sick. You never get sick. I never get sick. I'm kind of like that Bruce Willis movie with M. Night, that M. Night Shyamalan did. <laughs> what? Do you know that Unbreakable movie? Oh. That's me. You're Bruce? I'm Bruce. Yeah. I'm not M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I saw that one about the Amish community. Do you remember they that one? They weren't Amish, yeah. <laughs> they weren't Amish, but what yeah. were they, Shakers? <laughs> Quakers? They were, they were just secluded. <laughs> anyone great our, John's nodding his head our Quaker listenership is gonna go way down <laughs> I don't know I'm Sorry, always Quakes. sick and you never get sick I almost didn't come today you would have been hosting this by yourself you are so pathetic when you get sick you know what's sick what my guts <laughs> you also have a rotten gut I was being pretty good about having kefir with oats in the morning, which, you know, I can't say that I think kefir tastes good. Was that drinking yogurt? No, it's the fermented yogurt milk drink. (laughs) That sounds so appealing. (laughs) It's really good for you. It gives you good gut stuff, you know. Gut flora. Yeah. I'm really into my gut flora, too. I think it's really important. What do you do? I drink kombucha, uh-huh. which my friend is going to give me. They're called scobies. You know what that's scoby? The mother kombucha. The mother. Yeah. It's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Where I drink a lot of kombucha that? and eat a lot of pickles. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> about your gut. We're going to talk about trusting our gut. Today we're going to talk about trusting your gut. You're not my gut, our gut. Not our gut. We don't share a gut. <laughs> Why are we going to talk about trusting your gut? Because I think it's really important when we think about the decisions that we make, because not every decision is a perfectly weighed out, well thought through decision. And I don't think it has to be. How do you know when your gut is talking to you, when it's saying something? Um, You are in a weird mood, (laughs) is what my gut's telling me right now. (laughs) Because you just did a gut dance like this <laughs> and it was weird um i'm just wondering if do you physically feel it or do you um is it like a voice in your head or yeah I, asked you that? I mean i think it's really funny right because for me at least trusting your gut is a voice in your head and your gut and your head are not in the same location so it's a fast forward of all my experiences and all the things that i've learned from them processed in you know, one second, and then I go with that. And then there's, and then I make a decision. But is it mental for you or is it physical? It's mental. Oh, mine's physical. You do a little jig like you did just then? (laughs) I think I get like a pit, a pit in my stomach. When you trust your gut? My gut things are normally, don't do it. That's, That's usually when I hear my gut the loudest. 
I guess there's times when I've had a positive reaction where I'm like, yeah, let's just do it. Really? Like, oh, like when we got our new studio space. Yeah. Everything was kind of signaling, you know, there's things to consider, but we had to make a quick decision, which is not very you and I. And I think both you and I felt like, okay, without checking the books and without doing a forecast. <laughs> without, <laughs> and without really looking at it. Without really looking at it. We just said, we just knew it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we were right. Yeah. Good gut. Yeah. What decision did you make today? Oh, my God. This is perfect. So today, I come into Grand Central, and Grand Central has the Great Northern Food Bar. They have a grain bar, and the grain bar is all, like, porridge. No, porridges and oatmeals and things like that, right? Well, it was 10.45 when I came in, and because it was almost close to 11, they were like, oh, we only have these two porridges left, right? And I knew I should have gotten one of those, but what what did I do? I went to other... The other place, like there's, there's like six different courses. So I went to the other place. So I said, oh, I'll just get this um, mushroom and egg thing because I really wanted breakfast, right? So I went there. I waited in line behind maybe three people. And then I got there and they were like, oh, we're, we're not having breakfast anymore. We'll switch you over to lunch. So then I went over to this other place, oh. right? And I was like, okay. Place number three. Yeah. I'll just get this thing, right? And I ended up getting it. And I had gone to that place before I'd gone to any of the other places. And I was just going to get that. But what did I do? I wasted so much time just walking. And yeah. and I was mad about it, right? The fear of regretting the smoked salmon made me walk all around <laughs> and try and find those things. Yeah. I have a tendency to weigh everything. But I do make a lot of gut decisions. And... I don't know if I know what the decisions are that I take a lot of time to do and decide on. You waffle. Yeah. And then the decisions where I make gut decisions on. Because I can't, I can't, there's no rhyme or reason. If I had to create a flow chart, it's like above those two options, there's another option that just says, I know from my gut whether or not I need to make a gut decision or I need to make a weighed decision. <laughs> so meta. Yeah. So you have a gut about your gut. Yeah. I'm having an existential gut <laughs> situation right now. So I was late for this podcast because I was on a phone call, business call. Yeah. And a business call? <laughs> a business call. <laughs> you know how I was saying that something didn't feel right about this project yep. we're doing? You know, you and I talked about it for... 45 minutes, which was so helpful. Mm-hmm. I love when we talk because yeah. it always helps. Um, it doesn't always help. It always helps. No, sometimes we talk and then sometimes we argue. <laughs> That's arguing. <laughs> this was talking. I was going back and forth, back and forth. My issue was that I just didn't feel like the project was going in the right direction. So I'm crafting, like at your suggestion, I'm crafting this email about what to send the client, about how mm-hmm. I felt about the project and what what direction and giving my point of view and all this stuff and of course like it took me forever to write so I didn't send it and I get on the call and I'm like okay yeah all these feelings pent up yeah I have all these emotions and I know I actually had my talking points right so I'm like but what happens she's totally agrees with me (laughs) with you right (laughs) so then I'm like why did I get so worked up why didn't I just know that and she had the same feels, too. She had the same feels. Yeah. And I didn't even have to say it. I'm glad I didn't push send because what came to light to me when I was going back and forth with you was that generally I feel like we know what the right thing is to do. And then we spend time 
debating both sides of the argument. And then sometimes we second guess, sometimes we go for it. So it's a conundrum. Conundrum. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. So I think we should talk to somebody who we know is great at trusting her gut, our friend Mary. There, it's very exciting. The company that she's working with, Jif, has just been acquired by Castlight Health. She's just well-versed in this going with your gut. I'm so amazed by her because she says whatever she's thinking, but it doesn't come out sounding like gibberish. Yeah, she is definitely on the spontaneous end of the spectrum. Yeah. Mary Kane. Very spontaneously awesome. Yeah, she is. And those glasses. I know. I have a really like soft spot in my heart <laughs> for women who wear cat eye glasses. There's something about that. All right, let's call her up. Mary, who are you? Hi. So my title is Senior Director of Clinical Strategy and Behavior Change. Ooh. Mm, I know. Sounds good. Fancy. I like it's that. Fancy. Your, your um, business card is very long. I know, <laughs> it is. So I am, by background, um, I'm a public health person. I have a master's in public health and have worked primarily in two industries, the self-insured employer health benefits market. So I've been working in that area for about 15 years. And then prior to that time, I worked at a place called Institute for the Future. And that is a long-term forecasting uh, think tank. That's the place where I went directly out of public health schools. That was very formative experiences for me in in my professional life. Thinking about design on the fringes um, and people working on the fringes. And a lot of the people at Institute for the Future spent time thinking about where are things going and so they look for indications of change right and so indications of change by nature are going to be uncomfortable for everybody else right it was such a great place to to work it was a lot of fun currently i'm working for a startup that is an employer health benefits platform the company that i work for now is jif and it has a mobile first designed app that kind of brings all of those programs together and personalizes um, each individual's you know, kind of set of recommendations associated with what's going on for them from a health perspective, but also from a kind of what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish as an individual perspective? So it's, you know, creating a very personalized experience for the individual. How many people were Jeff when you guys got acquired? 150. Mm. When I started working with them when there was about six. Wow. So that's been a cool ride. And then Castlight's about 400 or so. Cool. Wow. So tell us what's happening with Jeff as much as you can. Yeah. So, I mean, what I can say is that everything is in process <laughs> with regard to the acquisition by Castlight. We try to create a set of healthy norms and an environment for our organization. So if you think about motivation and getting people to all act in the same way, if you create an environment where there's a challenge going on and it's very normal for people to go out at lunchtime and take a walk, or it's very normal for people to have healthier food in the cafeteria. That's kind of what happens at the wellness end of the spectrum, and that's what GIF has been focused on. Hmm. Castlight has been focused on kind of acknowledging that there's been a major shift in employer health insurance benefits since individuals are spending more money out of their own pockets. Castlight's been focused on how do we create cost transparency for those individuals that allows them to be smarter health consumers and take advantage of the services that are being offered to them so that they you know, don't spend as much money out of their pocket and they get high quality care. There's kind of a very clinical focus on their side and a wellness focus on our side. And so coming together, 
um, makes a lot of sense. What drove your decision to go full time? There was a certain amount of kind of acknowledging who I am as a person and that I like to be part of a team. I like to be, you know, working with the same people. I'm I'm a very um, I'm kind of I, I work better in reflection with others, right? So acknowledging that I'm not somebody who wants to sit alone and work on a project by myself, but rather wants to be in a in a team that's uh, working on something together. And so, I, I, you guys know this about me. I'm an external processor, right? So there's not a lot of inhibition or any sort of breaks between brain and mouth. <laughs> <laughs> The the end result for that is that I say what is happening in my brain as it's happening in my brain. And I've had folks that I work with who uh, have played this role of interpreter for me when I was less eloquent and less <laughs> able to kind of say things without potentially being insulting. I didn't, I never meant to be insulting. Kind of, this is what I was, this is what I'm thinking. And so, you know, why are we doing it that way? That sort of thing. I've gotten better at using language that, that takes into consideration that other people have been thinking about whatever this problem is for a period of time and kind of I try very hard to make sure that I'm considering all perspectives, but I still have that challenge of the brain mouth function. But that's also why I work well with other people, right? Because right. it's like, I'm just going to say what's on my mind and, yeah. and then I, I want to spend time with other people figuring out, okay, what does that mean? How do you think about it? This is how I think about it. Yeah. Well, it's actually a good transition into kind of the main thing we wanted to talk to you about today, because, you know, we oftentimes talk about trusting your gut. And sometimes when you trust your gut, you don't have a filter between your brain and your mouth, because you're just saying whatever actually comes off, comes off the top of your head. And we just wanted to ask you, do you have a story about a time when you trusted your gut in a work-related context or, you know, within the businesses that you've been doing and it's paid off? Um, well, and so I, I have the flip side, which if I can, if I can start <laughs> with that and then I'll back to the other side. When I was doing consulting and when I was looking for these individual gigs, you know, a lot of the people that we were meeting when we would go out and, and connect with people were also startups and people who were looking for help. And so, you know, they didn't tend to have a lot of money and, they tended to be, you know, really concerned about getting somebody who could deliver something very specific for 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 the for the small amount of resources that they had. There was one group that we met where we had this really good connection with the people who were there, and we really liked them a lot. We talked about, you know, how can we work together? How can we work together? And it turned out that they needed um, marketing help. I had this reaction, which is like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. And that's not something that I should be doing. <laughs> stay and out of there. Stay, stay out of there, right? We're just going to create a disaster. Well, so then we went and we met with them anyway and we talked with them and, you know, we talked about their website strategy and we talked about the messaging strategy and all that sort of stuff. And we walked out of the meeting and I said to my partner, we should run away from this. <laughs> I know it's a chunk of money. I know we really like these guys and this is really an interesting project for us in, in, in the sense of it's something new and completely different. But I literally felt sick to my stomach. And that's not something that happens very often. I'm a very, I tend to be kind of boldly go where no, has, no one has gone before, right? I don't, I don't tend to get afraid. I had a fear-based, you know, kind of illness in my stomach, which was just like, hmm. we should not do this. We did it. It was a disaster. Mm -hmm. It was a full-on disaster. And, you know, going with my gut, I think the things that have worked for me when I've been successful in that context has always been how familiar is this challenge for me? 
Mm-hmm. Is this something I've seen before? Do I have analogies that I can speak to about this? Um, and the worst possible thing you can do when you come into a new situation like that is, is like, you know, act like the new person who just showed up at a job and basically says, well, at my company, we did this, this, and this, and haven't you guys tried these things that are no-brainer sorts of things, which, of course, you know, you have to understand the context. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can walk in and look like a real jerk. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of language you guys use on your podcast, but there's that. <laughs> the J word. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of other words. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's always, I think that's a balance, right? Where you come in and you're trusting your gut, which says, for me, my gut is my level of comfort in any situation, right? And my gut tells me, you've seen this before, you understand the the basic forces at play here. You have a thought about what you bring to this, right? I mean, that's kind of really, I think, the most important thing. And for me, in the context of my work, so much of what I think is important is to make connections for people that they aren't making themselves, mm-hmm. right? So your gut says, oh, I've seen this and this is how I think about this. And what I typically do is just kind of talk out loud and ask people to help me understand whether I'm right about how I'm thinking about this, right? And in a way that's not like, you guys don't know what you're talking about, but but more along the lines of teach me about what this is yeah. so that I can help. Are you a second guesser? Do you second guess a lot? Because I think that sometimes Mia and I... Sometimes. Yeah, we tend to second guess and then you end up overanalyzing and then we're just kind of like, why we could have made the decision in an hour and instead we did it in three days. talked about it to death. You know, as as self-starters, as entrepreneurs, as thinkers, right? We, we are wanting to push ourselves as well. So it's kind of like, oh, this might be unfamiliar territory, but is it a territory that's going to push us and make us, you know, think better and be more critical and analytical about things? So that's, I think that's when the second guessing comes in. So do you think that you're a second guesser or do you kind of just go with it? Uh, I think I typically go with it. I don't think I second guess very much. I think usually what I'm asking for, what I am asking myself for is the criteria for making the decision. If I feel like I'm second guessing something, then it's about, okay, well, how do I know whether this is the right decision to make, right? Mm -hmm. So what am I trying to accomplish here? I, I think the other thing about that is I feel like I've got a few people in my life who are my touchstones, right? Who I reflect off of. Uh, And so I will, you know, in a situation like that where I would second guess, I think I would say to myself, who can I ask about this? Mm -hmm. And just talk it through with them. Mm -hmm. And that helps me so much because more often than not, you find that that nobody else knows any more than you do about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you're second guessing, but at the same time, you have the knowledge that you need, right? It's just about how do I decide this is a good thing or a bad thing? And that's all about the criteria for deciding, right? Yeah. I have a friend who's constantly saying to me, what would blank do? And right. there's a guy that we work with who's just this most arrogant, wonderful, right. but completely full of himself yeah. guy. Right. And they're always like, what would he do? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he wouldn't He wouldn't take a step back. That's right. He would just go forward. That's and right. it's not like he's not smart. And it's not like he doesn't, but he, half the time he says the crap that I've been saying to him to say, right? right? And so it's one of those things where it's just like people, oh, he's such an innovator. It's like, no, he's just somebody who listens uh-huh. and incorporates other people's thinking well. I also think that women, uh, you know, kind of in the women business thing, I think that as a woman, I more often than, than not step back. And sometimes it's, I think it's the commitment, right? It's, that's where I get hung up is that if I trust my gut, then I have to go for it. And uh-huh. 
part of that is remembering that, oh, you can retreat or you can make a mistake or you can pivot from there. But sometimes at that cliff, you're just like, what if I make the wrong decision? Well, that's the other thing too, right? That's the issue with us sometimes is that we think that the decision that we make is going to be a world ending (laughs) decision. And we are not that big (laughs) in this world. Yeah. Well, it's in risk tolerance. I mean, what kind of yeah. risk tolerance do you guys have? Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's like a I, high I, risk. I, I'm very conservative in some aspects of my life and higher risk in other aspects of my life. Right. So I feel like in the work setting, I'm probably more conservative. I, I feel like earlier in my life, I did get burned a few times going into situations where I was, you know, doing public speaking or something and I wasn't prepared. And I got my ass handed to me in a way that was really embarrassing. And so that that has changed as I've gotten older. But that probably has also changed just because I've done more stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back to that kind of how familiar is this to me? Have mm-hmm. I seen this before? Right. I mean, when I think about you guys, I think the opportunity is really to break the crap that exists and rethink it. You know what I mean? There's so much bad stuff out there yeah. just because it's been done before poorly. Right. You know? That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you and hear your I voice. Know, it's great and to, I'm, I know. We'll have you on again. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. I'm, uh, this is fun, and I, I, never, I don't get enough time with you guys anyway. So. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks, Mary. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. So how often do you think that you trust your gut? I think I'm a pretty intuitive person, even though I think we go back and forth about being very analytical about it. I think it's informed, but I do, I like a quick decision if I can. So I would say 80% of the time. Yeah. What about you? I would say I'm 50-50. Do you think that gut decisions mean quick decisions? Maybe not in your response time, but in make up your mind time. Yeah. Like the time I spend agonizing over, is this the right decision or the wrong decision? Sometimes I'll just be like, eh, just make a decision. And it doesn't mean that I make that decision in the moment, but it means that like, I don't go back and forth. I mean, how can we get better at trusting our guts? I mean, do you think your gut is pretty spot on? I guess that would be the question. Has it paid off for you? Yes, more often than not, my gut is pretty spot on. Retrospectively, especially. Especially retrospectively. Did you ever watch Star Trek The Next Generation? No, I'm too young for that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just kidding. It's the best show ever. I'm just kidding. I was in love with Will Wheaton. We've already talked about that. I'm this. in love with Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> that just shows our generational differences. Sean doesn't even know who Will Wheaton is. One of my favorite episodes on Star Trek The Next Generation was this episode of these parallel universes, you know? And it's this whole idea of you make a choice and then you split, but there's you in another reality that's doing the uh, the thing that you didn't choose, right? Sliding doors. Those are my gut moments. Like, I can see myself in the other reality, Mm -hmm. and that's when I start to second guess. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that what you were saying is what keeps us back a little bit of always wanting to have a little crack open yeah. just in case. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know what conditions us to think that way. I know. I mean, why would we want to, like, just leave just a crack open if we for sure know that 
we don't want to be doing this type of work. Well, I think a part of it is when feelings are involved as humans, right? On on the highest level, that's what we are. We don't we don't want to feel responsible for that for somebody other someone else's misery or sadness. Right. Um, but what I think is ridiculous is that we br- you and I tend to bring that level of seriousness to the decisions in our everyday lives. And I don't think that that's necessarily true, you know? So the relationship between risk and gut, I guess, is key, right? If you're a high-risk person, you would probably trust your gut very often. If I think about high-risk people, are they gut thinkers? Are they gut reactors, you know? Um, And I guess... Maybe it is like maybe a race car driver, for example, maybe when they're really good at trusting their gut is when they're put into a position that might be life threatening for them. Right. And they can just think really quickly and make decisions. You know, if I think about somebody who I can relate to a little more (laughs) like an entrepreneur, do they make gut decisions? I think that part of it is not being apologetic about it. For us, it's not so much of a concern of what we're going to say in the moment when we're trusting our gut, but it's more like how we're going to feel afterwards. You know, like, don't you think that that's kind of one of our biggest things is that if I really sit down and think about it, what stops me from making gut decisions is how I will feel afterwards. Remember that time that I was like, we have to hire this person. And I was so like, she's right. We've got to do it. Yeah. She turned the position down. And then we saw her six months later or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God we didn't hire her. Right. You know, what's that? Yeah. I mean, I think that 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 having a bad gut. Maybe I do have a bad gut. Well, I don't think that everybody can have a good gut for everything. Right. I think that's likely going to be some things that are just not good at making decisions on. And I think it's more important to be aware of that. Yeah. Oh, big news. <laughs> this is episode 10. Yeah, episode 10. Double digits. <laughs> wow, we hit 10. 10. 10 seems like a nice round number. 10 seems like a nice round number to take a break. Yes, we're going to take a little break break. What is that going to look like? It's going to be 30 days of us not... Bahamas. No. It's going to be 30 days of us just not recording. Iceland. No. It's going to be 30 days of us just working on our next 10 episodes. Yeah. We'll put up updates and let you know what we're doing. And in the meantime, please subscribe and... Oh, leave some reviews. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what we could change, what you'd like to see. Here. Here. What'd you like to hear? Oh, here, here. You're pointing at your ear. <laughs> what you'd like what to, you want to hear in your you'd ear. you'd like to hear? I think it went right here in the studio. No. I didn't. This episode was produced by Sean Nazari. And recorded by Michael P. Coleman. At Fake Great Studios in Brooklyn. Music was produced, recorded by Chess Smith. And until we see you again. Hear you again. <laughs> <laughs>